Good evening. Turn, if you would, tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. How many of you all, how many of you all are feeling the back-to-school slump? Anybody? We've got a couple of honest people. All right. Well, if you're not feeling the slump, you can be thankful. And if you're not feeling the slump, you can be in prayer for those who are. Okay? Uh, it's tough getting back into the swing of things after a nice summer break. So be in prayer for our kids as they go back to school that the Lord would protect them and that the Lord would use them, okay? All right. Well, 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we will get started. Father, we do thank you for this break tonight uh, from all the activity and the busyness of the week. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to uh, give attention to your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to consider the practicality of it and just how it's needed in our everyday lives. And I pray that you'd help us to use it, Lord, as we move forward. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, some of you will remember, I trust, that we spent our time in verses 3 through 12. And there, in verses 3 and 4, we know that the Apostle Paul gave a summarized version of the gospel, that being the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He then went on to labor the subject of the resurrection because as we got down to verse number 12, here is what happened. It becomes clear in verse number 12 that there were some in the church in Corinth who had come to the conclusion that there, was go there would not be or there was going to be no resurrection of the saints. And so their idea was this, that once a person died, regardless of their spiritual condition, once they were gone from this life, that was it. That was the completion of their existence, and they did not believe in any kind of an afterlife, any kind of an eternity in heaven or hell. And as the Apostle Paul was made aware of this conclusion that some had come to, we watched in verse number 12 as he asked this question, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so what we watched was this, that the Apostle Paul questioned their logic. If they were going to state an opinion, if they were going to state a belief, then the Apostle Paul believed it was his right and it was his place to question how they came to such a position, how they came to such a conclusion. And last week I tried to remind us that when you and I give an opinion, when you and I state a belief, when we express a position that we take, then whatever position we take, people are allowed to question our logic. People are allowed to say, how did you come to that conclusion? How is it that you came to settle on that decision? Whenever we give an opinion, whenever we make our case, we're allowed to be questioned and I tried to remind us, at least in the realm of spiritual things, we need to have the Scripture as the basis of our authority because if the Scripture is not the basis of our authority, then our opinion is no stronger than anyone else's opinion out there. It's not enough for us to say, well, I think or I feel or I believe. We have to be able to have the authority of the Word of God in our lives and the positions that we take if not, then again, we have no real leg to stand on. So we have to be grounded. We have to know what we believe, the basis for that, the reasons behind it. And then, if we're comfortable at that point, that's when we can tell people what we believe. All right? So that's what we dealt with last week, tonight, moving on. As we do, I want to ask you a question. I want to see if you've ever been in a scenario quite like this. 
The scenario begins like this. Have you ever watched someone working on some kind of a project, engaged in some kind of an activity, and they were real excited, gung-ho, pumped, whatever words you'd like to use, they were just excited to tackle the project or whatever it was before them. Have you ever known someone like that, a situation like that? Of course you have, okay. So I don't know if this has ever happened to you. It's probably happened to some. I know it's happened to me before, so that's why I'm, I, guess, I guess I'm somewhat familiar with this or, or mindful of it. But have you ever watched a person who was involved in a project, gung-ho about it, excited about it, and because you had a different perspective, maybe because you were not as excited about their project as they were, you could immediately see where some things had potential in their project to go wrong. Have you ever witnessed something like that? So they're excited, they're engaged, they're involved, they're, they're getting after it, they're attacking whatever the project is, and, and you come up on the project and immediately you see, well, there's some room here where some things could go wrong. And, and if you've ever been in a situation like that, you've probably said something like this. So what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do when you get to this part of the project? Again, I'm just asking, has anybody ever been there or am I solo in this? Okay, a few of us have been, okay. All right, so we see the problem fairly quickly or what could be the potential of a problem. And, and we say something like this, so what are you going to do with this? What, what is your plan of action for this? And, and sometimes, here's what happens whenever you ask, that person about the potential problem, they say something like this, yeah, I'm aware of that, and whenever I get here, here's what I'm planning on doing. I'm going to take care of this, I'm going to approach this, I'm going to handle it this way, and it may or may not satisfy you, but at least they have a game plan. Now see if this has ever happened. You come up on the project, you see the potential, you see the risk for some problems, and you say something like this, so what are you going to do about that? What is your course of action for this? Has it ever happened to you where they look at you and they just kind of give you, again, like what I mentioned last week, that blank stare? And their response is, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even noticed that. I wasn't even aware of that. Has it ever happened to you where you've had that kind of a conversation with someone? Here's what you notice in a moment like that. Here's what you notice in a scenario like that. Uh, they didn't think this one all the way through. They were excited. They were passionate. They were ready to get after it. They were gung-ho. But they did not think it all the way through. So if you've been in a situation like that, you've witnessed that sudden swing of emotion and countenance, have you not? From excitement to, oh man, ah, oh, are you serious? Now I've got to do this, now I've got to do that, oh man, why did you have to bring that up? Well, because you didn't think it all the way through, I was wondering what you were planning on doing with this. Now let me ask you one more question and we'll move on in the text tonight. But let me ask you this. Has it ever been you that didn't think it all the way through? 
Well, it's been me before. Man, I was excited. I was ready to get after it. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but that did not keep me from attacking it, whatever it was. And so as I go into that project and that process in full force with with all this great anticipation of what I'm about to accomplish, somebody has said to me, so what are you going to do with that? How are you going to approach this? And I've looked at them and I've thought, I've got no idea. Did not even know that there was a potential for problems there. It has been me, no doubt, at times, in times past. Now, that being said, tonight I want to remind us of a couple of things, okay? I know that some of this is old. I know that some of this is probably worn out to an extent. But I want us to be mindful of this. Two different things that are somewhat critical to the message tonight. First of all, remind yourself that... Part of the problem of the believers there in the church in Corinth was their divided loyalty based upon those leaders, the spiritual leaders in their lives. You remember this? The division in the church that existed because they had divided loyalties amongst different spiritual leaders in their lives. Also keep this in mind, what we talked about last week, what I just reviewed a few moments ago. From verse number 12, there were some who came to this spiritual conclusion that there was no resurrection from the dead, that once a person died, that was it, that was the end for their existence. There would be nothing that took place after that. Keep those things in mind because the Apostle Paul is going to continue dealing with the subject of the resurrection, all right? So in verse number 13, he said this, But if there be no resurrection of the dead... Then is Christ not risen. Now keep in mind, these people have already been taught. They have already been discipled. If there had been any ignorance to the whole situation, to the whole scenario, the Apostle Paul would have addressed this in a much different manner. But he says in verse number 13, he said, Now listen, you need to keep this in mind, that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Now, what is the significance of the gospel of Jesus Christ? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we'll see this in a moment, then, then the, the, the religion or the teachings of so-called Christianity would be no different than any other denomination or any other faith or, or any other belief system. All right? And so he says in verse number 13, If there be no resurrection of the dead, if that is what you truly believe, and if that is how you think it is so, then you need to understand this. Then what that also indicates then is that Christ never rose from the dead. Now see, here's what the Corinthian believers obviously thought, and and Paul's going to emphasize this as we go through the passage tonight. Here's what the believers obviously thought, that those two ideas were excluded from one another, that you could separate them from the other, that you could somehow divorce the two from each other. Okay, that somehow the resurrection of Christ had no bearing on the resurrection of the saints, and the lack of a resurrection of the saints had no bearing on the resurrection of Christ. And what Paul is trying to point out to them is this, is that if Christ, or if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ was not risen either. Now, can you begin to see where the thought process might be kicking in for some of the believers there in Corinth? Kind of like, oh, 
I hadn't thought of that. Based on what we've been taught, based upon what Paul has said, based upon what, Tim, or what Peter has said, based upon what Apollos has said, uh, okay, well, uh, yeah, well, we didn't maybe think that one through quite like we should have. Well, it's only going to get worse. In verse number 14, Paul said this, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Now, I know that some of this is Scripture that we're very familiar with, and I don't want to just wear this out just for the sake of it, but I want us to think about this. Paul said in verse number 13, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And he said, And if Christ be not risen, then is whose preaching vain? What does he say? He said, Then, look at the the verse, Then is our preaching vain. All right, what does it mean for something to be vain? It means for it to be empty for it to be pointless, for it to have no value whatsoever. Now here's the Apostle Paul, and he did not say this, Now if Christ be not risen, then is my preaching in vain. Then is my preaching empty, is my preaching void of of any merit or any worth. What he said is this, If Christ is not risen, then I want you to understand something, he says, then the preaching of everyone who has had spiritual influence in your life, every bit of it is pointless and serves no value whatsoever to you. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because of where their loyalties lied and and where they were struggling in their church as to who followed who and who was the follower of this person and, and another person, whomever that may be that they followed. I want us to see this, that Paul is saying, listen, it's not just my preaching that is vain. It is everyone's preaching that is pointless if Christ did not rise from the dead. Now, friends, if they thought the preaching of everyone was vain, they would not have been loyal to certain leaders because they would have realized there's no point to anything that any of them are saying. So if they began thinking this through, they began realizing, wait, we value the opinion of Peter. We value the opinion of Apollos. We value the opinion of Paul and whomever else may have had influence. And so what they're beginning to realize is this. Well, well, wait, we do see value and we do see purpose to what they have preached. So, well, huh, maybe we didn't think this thing through. You see some problems with their logic once again? They're believing and they are of the mindset that regardless of whatever these ministers, these preachers had preached, that somehow it did not affect the resurrection of the saints, that again, that they just died and it was over for them. So in verse number 14, he said, If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And he said, And your faith is vain, is also vain. All right, so it's not just that our preaching is vain. He said, Your faith, your trust, your confidence... It has no point to it. There's no substance to it. There's no basis for it. There is no merit to it. Friends, he is saying, if you are going to place your faith in an unresurrected, still dead Christ, 
then you have no reason to believe what it is you say you believe. Well, do you think they thought there was some point and some worth and some value to their beliefs? Well, of course. If they didn't see some worth to it, if they didn't see some value to it, they wouldn't have held to certain beliefs. But again, here's what's happened. They have come to this conclusion, there's no resurrection of the saints. And Paul is saying, you don't realize how flawed your thinking is. If there's no resurrection of the saints or of the dead, then, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then everything we say is pointless. And everything you believe is pointless as well. Not only that, he said in verse number 15, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Again, he did not say in verse number 15 that he alone was found to be a false witness of God, but rather we collectively, Paul said. Paul said, you've got to understand, if there's no resurrection of the dead, and if there's no resurrection of Christ, then every one of us, even the ones that you have fought to defend, every one of us are liars. So is that what you're saying we are, is we're liars? Can you see them reading this, trying to figure all this out and process it because they haven't thought all of this through? Amen. Oh, well, no, I mean, I know we're not saying you're a liar. No, no, you are saying I'm a liar because I've been preaching this, and if this isn't true, then what you're saying is I'm a false witness. He said, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. See, if the dead rise not, then what that means is, is the Christ that we have been preaching as a risen Savior, if, if, if the dead don't rise, then Christ hasn't risen, and that just makes all of us liars because of our false witness. Okay, well, I, I don't think you're liars. Okay, but that's what you've basically implied because of this position that you've come to, which is contrary to everything that you've been taught. So notice in verse number 16. As if it wasn't clear enough already, he said, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. So just in case they didn't get it the first time, he says, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not raised. In verse number 17, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. So in verse number 17 he said, If Christ isn't raised, then again, everything that you believe is pointless. And he reminds them of this, You're still dead in your trespasses and sins. Your sins have never been dealt with. Your sins have never been wiped away. You, you've never had a, a clean slate given to you, spiritually speaking. No, he said, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, listen, you're as lost as you've ever been. Then in verse 18 he said, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. Listen, if we're going to hold to your way of thinking, if we're going to espouse this new doctrine that you are holding on to and adopting nowadays, then, then here's what we've got to 
keep in mind, and here's what we've got to consider, that everyone who has already gone asleep or died in Christ, well, they're perished. They're done. They're annihilated. They're obliterated. They're, they're over. They're finished. That's it. I just want to ask you something real quick, separate from the believers of Corinth. Is that what anybody really wants to think, that just once you die, it's it, and it's over, and it's done, and there's nothing more to it than that? It's not the way I want to think. It's not the way I believe from the Scripture. So I'm saying that to say this. Can you imagine there were some who no doubt had buried some friends, who had buried some loved ones, those who had identified themselves as believers, and now Paul is saying, hey, listen, if we're going to hold to your way of thinking, if we're going to hold to your line of thought, then here's what you've got to remember. It's done for them. Now, is that really what you believe? Now again, I know I can't prove this, but it looks like what the Apostle Paul is doing is this. He is saying, come on now, think all this through. If the dead do not rise, then what that means is this. Christ has not risen. Come on now, think about this. And if Christ is not risen, then every message, every word, every bit of discipleship that we have ever given to you, every bit of that is pointless. Now, is that really what you believe? No. Now, think about this. If if what you say is true, then not only is everything that we have preached been in vain, everything you believe is pointless. Think this through. Is this really what you believe? And if this is really what you believe, then here's what you might as well go ahead and admit, that we're all just a bunch of con men. We're nothing but a bunch of false witnesses because of what we've been telling everyone about the resurrection of Christ. Now, do you really think all of us are a bunch of false witnesses and liars and, 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 and con men? Is that what you think? Well, no. Do you really believe that you're still dead in your sins and that nothing's changed in your life spiritually? Is that what you believe? Well, no. Do you realize that if this is really what you believe, then everyone that you have loved who has already passed away, they've already perished and they're already annihilated? So notice in verse number 19, he said this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men most miserable. Now, if this is really the direction you want to take, if this is really the belief that you want to take, here is what Paul says. We are of all men most miserable. What does it mean to be among the most miserable? It means this, to be among those who should be most pitied. You have placed your faith in something that is empty. You have placed your faith in something that is vain. You have placed your faith in something that has no meaning, that has no significance. Now listen, if this life is the only time in which we have hope in Christ, then friends, we are to be pitied that we would come to such a conclusion and live out our days believing in someone who is dead, believing in someone who doesn't have the power to raise us from the dead one day, we are to be pitied if that is the position we take in life. 
So here's the Apostle Paul, and what is he doing? He is saying this in verse number 12. How is it that you came to this conclusion? I'm going to challenge your logic on this. How did you come to this conclusion? Because it looks like from where I'm standing, you didn't think this one out very good. You jumped to some conclusion. You came up with some idea, like I mentioned last week. You thought it was brilliant at the time. You thought this was pretty profound. You thought this was pretty amazing. And yet, did you consider these things? Yeah, I didn't think so. Because if this is so, then this is so. Then if this is so, then this is so. And, and really, we are to be pitied if that's what you really believe. Now tonight, I want us to think about this, okay? I understand the subject of conversation that the Apostle Paul is having with the believers in Corinth. I understand the context of it. And I hope that in the last few moments, I've done a fairly decent job of dealing with the context and what is going on here, okay? But in this thought and in this passage, I want us to think about this principle that is also seen not just in this area of people's spiritual lives and doctrine, but it's, it's an issue that is really involved in, in a lot of different areas in people's lives, and that is this. The problem of people not thinking through where certain thoughts and certain beliefs and certain positions are headed. Okay, now I don't know if I said that as clearly as I wanted, but there is a problem with the believers in Corinth, right? They have got a position, they have got a system of belief now, and here is what has happened, what appears to be in their excitement or their haste or their enthusiasm for this newfound belief, they have not thought through everything that this new position is going to mean and involve and, and, and result in in their spiritual lives. And just as it is true as it relates to the resurrection, the same problem exists in other areas of people's spiritual lives. Would you like to know what I mean? Sure, okay. This evening, I think some of you know that people come to odd conclusions sometimes, do they not? In their spiritual lives. And that is why there are times that we have been the ones who have initiated the challenge of how did you come to that conclusion, right? We have challenged them on how they came to that conclusion for this reason. Almost immediately, we can see where their thinking is flawed as it relates to the teaching of the Word of God. So have you ever been in a situation like this? Someone is of a mindset. Someone is of a belief system. Someone is now of a particular conviction. 
They are excited about it. They are enthusiastic about it. And they are dogmatic about it. And you coming into the situation, you realize almost immediately, because you don't come at it from the same perspective as them, you realize almost immediately that this is fouled up. This is not biblical. This is not scriptural. This is not sound logic that is being applied here. So if you've ever been in a situation like that, here's what's happened probably for some of you. You've begun to question the people and the conclusions they have come to, and here's what you discover very quickly. They didn't spend five minutes trying to think this thing through. They just thought it sounded neat and thought they'd adopt it and thought they'd run with it, only to realize within a few minutes of visiting with you, they didn't have a clue as to what they were talking about. Have you ever been there? Okay, I'm just going to throw this out here and let you know. I've been there several times with people over the years. You know, you're talking to someone, and, and sometimes it's, it's almost comical if it wasn't to be pitied. It's almost comical some of the conversations you have with people because they, they, they look at you and they talk to you like, yeah, I come up with something great out of the Scripture. And you say, really? So what is it that you come up with? And they begin to tell you what it is they, they have concluded and what they have learned from the Scripture. And, and immediately, I'm just saying from my perspective, there have been several times where I've said, well, what about this? Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, if you're going to say that, okay, how did you get to that conclusion? So they began to tell you how they came to this conclusion. And then you say, well, what about the rest of Scripture that totally refutes what you've just said? Do what? Well, I mean, because over here the Scripture says this. So what do you do with this Scripture? Well, uh, hold on. Okay, not just that Scripture. What about this Scripture? Did you even think this thing through? Or did you just throw it out there because you thought it sounded good? I'm just going to tell you, it happens. I'm not trying to be offensive whenever I say this, and I'm not trying to be arrogant as I, I present this. I'm just saying this. I've heard preachers preach before, and I've thought to myself, they have no idea why they're saying what they're saying. They just heard somebody else say it, and it sounded good, so they're going to present it like it's Bible, and they have no idea what they're talking about. That's such a critical spirit, Brother Kyle. No, I'm just saying, I don't have the same passion and the same zeal about it as they do, so I'm able to see through it pretty quick, like you're able to see through things pretty quick and say, nope, that doesn't make any sense. That's ridiculous. You spent no time thinking about that one. Now tonight, listen, I'm not trying to be critical of the believers in Corinth, though I think they're deserving of some criticism. And I'm not trying to be critical of others, though there is room to be critical of them. What I want us to get to tonight is this. I want us to consider this question. I want us to consider this thought. How many times has that been us? <laughs> Who has just adopted some position who has just adopted some kind of a belief, who has adopted some kind of theory, and somebody said, well, how did you come to that? 
And we started saying, well, it was this way, and it's because of this. And they started asking, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And they can tell in about two or three minutes, we hadn't spent any time thinking about what we actually said. We ever been there? Friends, I've been there. With such pride and arrogance you declare this is what I believe really so what about this passage well I don't know about that one so let's not talk about that one yeah well we kind of need to because see if what you're saying is true then what that means then is this is that that's not true and that would make that a lie and well I can't buy that, so it's kind of obvious, Kyle, you didn't think this one through, did you? Well, no, but a really good preacher said it, and I, I, I took them for what they said to be right, and I just assumed that they wouldn't lead me astray. Well, that's part of the, the, the laziness, for nothing else to, to describe it with. That's part of the laziness that in my spiritual life, because I'm not thinking it through. And friends, I don't know if you've ever been the one who's been embarrassed spiritually because you've never thought through certain positions you've had. But if it's ever happened to you, here's what you know. It's pretty humiliating. Because pretty soon that big smile you had on your face gets wiped off pretty quickly. Because you begin to realize how flawed your thinking was. It's happened to me enough, and, 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 and I want to be very careful in how I present this, okay, because I, I've not arrived at all, okay? But it's happened to me enough that I've thought to myself, you know, kind of like what I mentioned last week, I need to be a thinker more than I need to be a talker. I really do. So that when somebody says to me, how did you come to this conclusion? I'm not sitting there saying to them, well, I don't know. I haven't really thought that one out. I want to be a thinker so that when somebody says to me, how did you come to this conclusion? I can begin to explain to them the process that brought me there. Kyle, if this is the conclusion you have come to with your marriage, how did you get there? I don't want it to be, well, because that's the way my parents raised us or that's the way her parents raised her. I want it to be we've gotten here because of X, Y, and Z getting us here. Okay, Kyle, this is the position you have taken with your kids. This is the direction that you have given with your kids. How did you get there? Well, I don't know, just kind of been the independent Baptist way. That, that, that is a pitiful line of thought for how we got there. How did you get there? I got there because of this, because of this, because of this. Think it through. You've come to this position, whatever it may be. How did you get there? We need to be able to lay it out for someone. This is the, this is the position I've got, and this is how I came to this position. 
Friends, I, again, I want to be careful in how I say this, but it's, it's more of a problem than I think sometimes we recognize. So many times we don't think it through. We just lay it out there and assume that if we say it loud enough or if we say it with enough confidence, if we say it with enough boldness, that somehow that will, that will convince people that what we are saying is right and all it takes is for one person to challenge us to reveal just how pathetic our thought process was and in that moment we are to be pitied. So I'm going to ask us again tonight. Not because I don't think you do it, but I just want to challenge us. I want to ask us tonight, can we honestly say before God that we strive to be intelligent, critical thinkers? Not that we try to be critical toward others as we think, but that we try to be critical in our thinking and that we have a thought process that gets us to our conclusions rather than just random conclusions that we come to based on whatever it is that got us there. God's people need to be thinkers. Need to be able to give an answer. And it needs to be said that there was some thought behind the positions we have come to based upon the authority of the Word of God. And if there's not a thought process founded on the Word of God, then at some point we will look very foolish, regardless of how excited we may be about our position. I hope we'll be thinkers, all right? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to consider the, the failure of the believers of Corinth as it came to really thinking everything through and what their newfound position actually meant and the impact that it would have on everything else related to their spiritual lives. I pray, Lord, that we would learn from that and that we would better ourselves because of their example and, and their struggle and their failure. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be men and women who would be honest before you as to whether or not we're really thinkers or if we just throw things out there and hope it sticks. God, I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd help each of us to be people who know your word and who let your word lead us into the positions and the, the convictions that we take in this life. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. As